thing is we do not agree on how that is spelled and so, oh, really? <laughs> so actually I have, a, I have a whole book that I've called Ekphras <laughs> <laughs> well that might be the way out Ekphras because everybody spells it and pronounces it so differently and this is a poem that I wrote for one of the paintings and where this new Dina begins to emerge it's called Sunset Rider created by Beth Grimes it is a sunset, it is sunset, and falling sun reflects its decline through a restaurant window as a ghostly bike rider rolls by on an invisible two-wheeler. And where am I in all this? <laughs> I, who can't even ride a bike. The picture reflects both what's across the street and what's inside the restaurant without upsetting the balance of the moving bike rider. In this moment, he stopped as the sun moves on and the bike becomes a ghost. Yet the people within the shop could surely see him if they weren't so engrossed in the nearness of each other. The rider looks like the poet who thought he was a cloud in trousers, Mayakovsky. His stylish cap and fitness belies his unrealness, though I cannot to my regret ride a bike and never owned one, but my brother did. It never occurred to me as a child in New York City in the new 1940s that a girl could ride a bike. The lowering sky enters the glass front of the restaurant, the way the cloud entered the poet's trousers, and artist Beth Grimes captured it all, though I do not know if it is a photo or painted, like I didn't know that a girl could ride a bike. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Lots of stuff in that. Yes, to say something. Say something, okay. Like what? Well, uh, um, what was interesting was the uh, interplay between, I mean, there were people absorbed with one another. There were reflections of inner and outer. There were just a lot of things that were touched on in the poem. The fact that you couldn't ride a bike, but someone was. Um, the fact that nobody noticed the bike rider, but you did. I mean, there's just a lot of elements to the poem that you brought together. It wasn't as simple and straightforward as some of your poems. Well, this one really leaves the realm of the simple and straightforward. Are okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Winter Song. The new year begins in gray, rain, and cold. Vallejo's weeds erupting, sweaters and scarves emerge, boots stomping towards the waters of Benicia, the waters of Benicia. Churning wavelets swallow the docked red rowboat, sinking into the Sacramento River, slanting nose down, sticking tail tilted up in waters reaching out to the sea, flowing through the Straits of Carquinas, flowing through the Straits of Carquinas. It's all water under the bridge, pulling the tides ever onwards, as these days dissolve into each other, threatening not to stop the repetitious parade of incidents and faces, 
each revealing the lessons I still must learn again and again, never mastered, always eluding me in the search for God, in the search for God. Questions and stories to reveal eternal mysteries, refusing to be known, except in glimpses of light and connection, sparking flashes of knowing, understanding, consciousness not bothered by logic or organized by the order or desire of the moon. The moon, always the moon, <laughs> always the moon, calling the current away, letting the clouds drift gently, caressing the curves of its moon face without hurry, accompanied by dots of stars grouped in familiar patterns in the moving night sky, whether watched or just felt or assumed. While blankets and pillows cushion the fortunate, every night and every morning some to misery are born some to misery are born and even all richest kings suffer flood fire earthquake hurricane volcano and freeze when hailstones drop from the sky without notification sudden as rainbows and silent symphonies of celestial song Enrapturing and signaling, dolphins and whales and the elusive birds of magnificent feathers and the elusive birds of magnificent feathers. The giant stuffed bears in Porta Costa hint at fierce struggles while flaunting the triumph of the hunter who does not eat his prey. What can I know? When I fear their glassy eyes, mammoth hands and powerful claws, the same fear as my ancestors, the hunters and the hunted, in and out of caves. Oh, ancestors and descendants, oh, ancestors and descendants, you journey with me through these days. You are here as I am each in our own reiteration of matter, in our own time and dimension. The stardust of each of us is still here, never leaves. We remain by our Mother Earth, never leaving her side. The DNA clings to the soil, mixing with wishes and aspirations of earlier and later iterations of matter, each in our own time and dimension. And now the future sings a siren song, the future sings a siren song that I dance to, limping and halting, unsteady, unbalanced, dancing and stumbling through this new year, that begins in gray, rain, cold, and weeds, feeling my way to spring. <laughs> Wonderful. That's what, and that certainly moves around uh, in a lot of places. One of the things it reminded me of was uh, the lines by T.S. Eliot. It was, uh, La lune ne garde aucune rancune. The moon doesn't have 
any rancor. La lune uh, he's thinking of a couple of other French poets, but that's all right. Um, and you're all over the place in that and, and welcoming spring. Why not? I mean, spring comes with everything coming along with it. Well, I think for me, one of the hallmarks about this poem is that it's the first time that I write about where I am, where mm-hmm. I write about Vallejo, Benicia, Port Costa, the Sacramento River, mm-hmm. the Straits of Carquinas. Uh and I guess it took me a while to get there, to to actually be writing about where I am. Where, physically. Where, where I, yeah. yeah, where I yeah. physically am. But it's also full of subjects, various, all sorts of subjects all over the place and different ways showing up. And, and uh, your fears, your this, that, and the other thing. I mean, all kinds of things are included in that poem. You keep wondering where it's going to go and it just keeps going. And not in a bad way, in a very good way. You're constantly interested in it and you're constantly surprised by what's going to happen. There's nothing predictable about the poem. But then there's, despite the fact that you know it's going to come, really nothing predictable about spring either. Yes, nothing predictable, especially this year where we've had such climatic shocks. Oh, God knows, yes. I mean, especially if you live hey, in Hey, we have Minnesota. a rainy season again. We, <laughs> we haven't had one of those for a long while. Right? <laughs> and and the people that are experiencing these tremendous, harsh winter this year, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, we really don't know about spring, but I'm just uh, going on my old hopes that every year... You've written it all over a piece of uh, cardboard, actually. It's, the poem seems to be all sorts of things with, with lines around it. and Well, this, this is the, the poem was so different to me mm-hmm. from everything I've ever written and so much longer. And uh, when I looked at it... I love the way it looks. <laughs> I, start, I wanted it to be a musical score, but I didn't want it to be musical. Well, you do sing at a certain point. That's right, I do. That I didn't mean musical in that way. I meant like the modern score where they write in, where the composer writes in um, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yes. that they aren't notes. You yes. know, yeah, tasks yeah, yeah. for the musicians to do to make sounds. Well, Maybe. Pound actually said something about uh, uh, write according to the musical phrase, not according to the metronome. And that's full of musical phrases. Yes. And so I, col- I took my colored pencils and started coloring in. So these eights you see along the way, they denote where the physical places are. The, oh. the blue eights, they're the infinity sign, and that's every place that I mention a pl- No, the green is where I mention a place, sorry. And the blue eights are where I repeat, where I repeat And there's a lot lines, of repetition in and it. And there's yeah. a lot of repetition in it. And, uh, but that's a musical device, too. Yes. And, and then, of course, all these other colors... You've got a kind of dragon here. Yes, and and that that's kind of like uh, coming towards the Chinese New Year. Yeah, that dragon, and and that was to use up the other colors. Oh, okay. The color color pencils. (laughs) Wonderful. So so it it was. uh, You wanted all the colors in there for for spring, of course. Right, and then I continued writing about the New Year. It is the sixteenth day of the New Year. The resolutions morph into intentions. Eat better food. 
exercise more, up my game in performance, and dig deeper and wider for new words for poems. What words did I first love? Words like cherry, so like cheery, which referred to Santa with cherry red lips and cheeks, and the very air around him crackled with cold energy and the delight of a sack full of gifts. Cherries became cherry pie for Valentine's Day mm-hmm. or chocolate covered. But it is a long wait for fresh cherries and their hard pits. To find a cherry pit in a cherry pie is a treasure worth saving. I know if I survive it, the year will reveal other surprises, delights, and disappointments, and maybe death itself is all of those. Can I remember how words came into my life? I revel in them so much today and have even developed playmates to toss them back and forth with me, molding and reshaping them, singing them through the airwaves, and carrying them to random places and people who in turn will play, frolic, and soar in the game without rules or scores, winners or losers. We are godlike, taking the pleasure of creation, making flowers grow and the birds suck their meaning, and changing their dialects and trills as they fly to different regions. The world belongs to all of us. Even if we dig and plant a tree, it's not ours. In the same way, our children and our students belong to themselves. The first cries of a child define for us, the parents, what work is, taking care of need, and then finding the play in it, adding spice to the food, and painting pictures on rocks to share the stories that reveal the alternative truths and facts of matter, the pee and the poop that we end, sorry, that we and all the insects litter the planet Earth with (laughs) that does not fall through space with the weight of the accumulation, but keeps on smoothly sailing through eternity in the choreographed move, expanding into the unlimited space. The onward motion of creation, the journey defines itself daily, carrying all living and dead and recycled atoms with it. Everything that is and was mixing it up with this stuff of living and dying and expanding the universe. Yeah, I think these new poems of yours are all saying hello to the cosmos, you know, (laughs) etc., which is a very good thing to be saying hello to. We might shift at this point a a little bit because we did say something about... um, Oh, actually, and I want to make an announcement and make sure I do it. But uh, we start we with something the announcement about, so okay. that we don't miss it. Okay, um, the announcement is Portolano, a film about the late North Beach poet Jack Mueller, will screen tonight 
at 6 p.m. at Tupelo, T-U-P-E-L-O, 1337 Grant Avenue in San Francisco. It should be an interesting film about a loved local character, Jack Mueller. He was very, very active in putting on poetry, and he was a poet as well. I believe some of my radio shows will be, or some some of the material from my radio shows will be in the film. That's tonight, 6 p.m. at Tupelo, 1337 Grant Avenue in San Francisco. And we did say something about Valentine's Day, and I I was talking to Sangi about various poems by uh, Ezra Pound, translations, because I'd recently done a uh, an event with Ha Jin, who is a wonderful Chinese poet and novelist, and um, he has written a book uh, called Banished Immortal, um, which is about the poet we often think of as Li Po, but whose more proper name is Li Bai, L-I-B-A-I or L-I-P-O. And Pound brought Li Po uh, into modernism in a book called Cathay, and I was talking to her about these poems, and I, I thought to myself, gee, I wonder how she would sound if she read The River Merchant's Wife, A Letter, which is Pound's great translation of a Li Po or Li Bai poem. And we're going to go to that now under Sangi River Merchant. The River Merchant's Wife, A Letter. While my hair was still cut straight across my forehead, I played about the front gate, pulling flowers. You came by on bamboo stilts, playing horse. You walked about my seat, playing with blue plums. And we went on living in the village of Chokan. Two small people, without dislike or suspicion. At fourteen I married my lord, you. I never laughed being bashful. Lowering my head, I looked at the wall. Called to a thousand times, I never looked back. At fifteen, I stopped scowling. I desired my dust to be mingled with yours. Forever and forever and forever. Why should I climb the lookout? At sixteen, you departed. You went into far Kuto Yen by the river of swirling eddies. And you have been gone five months. The monkeys make sorrowful noise overhead. You dragged your feet when you went out. By the gate now, the moss has grown, the different mosses, too deep to clear them away. The leaves fall early this autumn and wind. The paired butterflies are already yellow with August over the grass in the west garden. They hurt me, I grow older. If you are coming down through the narrows of the River King, please let me know beforehand and I will come out to meet you as far as Cho Fu Sa. That was Sangi Lan reading Ezra Pound's poem, The River Merchant's Wife, A Letter. I'm going to follow that with one poem, uh, another translation by Pound of Li Po, Exile's Letter. To So Kin... Arachio, ancient friend, chancellor of Gen. Now I remember that you built me a special tavern by the south side of the bridge at Tenshin. With yellow gold and white jewels we paid for songs and laughter, and we were drunk from month on month, forgetting the kings and princes. 
Intelligent men came drifting in from the sea and from the west border, and with them, and with you especially, there was nothing at cross-purpose. They made nothing of sea-crossing or of mountain-crossing, if only they could be of that fellowship. And we all spoke out of our hearts and our minds and without regret. And then I was sent off to South Wai, smothered in laurel groves, and you to the north of Rakuhoku, till we had nothing but thoughts and memories in common. And then, when separation had come to its worst, we met and traveled into Sengo, through all the thirty-six folds of the turning and twisting waters, into a valley of the thousand bright flowers. That was the first valley, and into ten thousand valleys full of voices and pine winds, and with silver harness and reins of gold. Out came the east of Khan Foreman and his company, and there came also the true man of Shio to meet me, playing on a jeweled mouth organ. In the storied houses of Sanko, they gave us more senin music, many instruments, like the sound of young phoenix broods. The foreman of Kanchu, drunk, danced because his long sleeves wouldn't keep still with that music playing. And I, wrapped in brocade, went to sleep with my head on his lap, and my spirit so high, it was all over the heavens. And before the end of the day, we were scattered like stars or rain. I had to be off to sow, far away over the waters, you back to your river bridge. And your father, who was brave as a leopard, was governor in Haishu and put down the barbarian rabble. And one May, he had you send for me despite the long distance. And what with broken wheels and so on, I won't say it wasn't hard going. Over roads twisted like sheep's guts. And I was still going late in the year in the cutting wind from the north and thinking how little you cared for the cost and you caring enough to pay it. And what a reception! Red jade cups, food well set on a blue jeweled table, and I was drunk and had no thought of returning. And you would walk out with me to the western corner of the castle, to the dynastic temple with water about it clear as blue jade, with boats floating and the sound of mouth organs and drums, with ripples like dragon scales going grass green on the water, pleasure lasting with courtesans going and coming without hindrance with the willow flakes falling like snow and the vermilion girls getting drunk about sunset and the water a hundred feet deep reflecting green eyebrows eyebrows painted green are a fine sight in young moonlight gracefully painted and the girls singing back at each other, dancing in transparent brocade, and the wind lifting the song and interrupting it, tossing it up under the clouds. And all this comes to an end, and is not again to be met with. I went up to the court for examination, tried Leu's luck, offered the Choyo song, got no promotion, and went back to the East Mountains white-headed. And once again later... We met at the South Bridgehead, and then the crowd broke up. You went north to Sand Palace. And if you ask how I regret that parting, it is like the flowers falling at spring's end, confused, whirled in a tangle. What is the use of talking? And there is no end of talking. There is no end of things in the heart. 
I call in the boy, have him sit on his knees here to seal this and send it a thousand miles thinking. That was Ezra Pound's translation of a poem by Li Po or Li Bai, written a thousand years ago. Gung He Fa Choi. A thousand years ago. Yes. And his words come to us today with the same impact, or maybe more, because we know they're a thousand years old. But still fresh. Very fresh. As Pound said, make it new. He did. He did. He made it new. So I'm going to continue with my sure. new poems. And this one is continuing writing about the new year. January 17th, the 17th day of the new year. I'm limping my way in and out of bed. I am one of the lucky ones who has a bed with a view of hummingbirds from dawn to sunset. In the park behind my house, people, mostly men, sleep in the bushes, cooking on the fire pits and eating on picnic tables, collecting recycling in shopping carts and other things. I collect too much stuff to a pack rat, my pockets full of leaves, stones, scraps of paper. I limp and rest in pain and I hope they are dry and nothing hurts. Then in January, I wrote this one. There was the Women's March, if you remember, and then there, and there was Martin Luther King Day, January 22nd. Already the first setback and the first promise of success and the forced blossoms of red tulips urging, blo urging bloom. Already the newness of the year celebrates women on the march and me left behind on the curb. Martin Luther King Jr. still sees the mountaintop and holds true to the dream that though more can dream it, it is still a dream. Yeah, it sure is. And then... If there'd been any justice in this country, I remember thinking, that man should have been president. What a president he'd have made. If we just carried out some of his ideas. ideas. <laughs> right. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, then, I did a, a poem juxtaposing... Um, Whitman's Out of the Cradle and Lucy Rocking and his I Have a Dream speech and they were both equal powerful statements about America. My daughter's dog died and I don't know if there'll be time for it but for all of you who have lost pets perhaps this will help. Dear canine companion always greeting me in dog song and dances, barking up a storm, dog of loyalty and courage, always the leader, curling up on a blanket, burying yourself in its folds, never backing down in a confrontation, barking up a storm, protecting us from unseen enemies, a vigilant presence, smooth and sleek, 
racing ahead to sniff the next tree stump or pole, pulling on the leash because I am too slow. Dear dog, true to your breeds, following your honed instincts, rolling over in the grass, covering your poops, licking your smooth and shining fur, and barking up a storm to keep us safe and accompanied. You will be missed and remembered and always loved. Absolutely, and thank the Lord for all of those dog companions and the love they give us and the love we give them. Uh, We've got to go now, but we're going to be back not quite in a month. We'll be back in two months. We'll be back in in, uh, March um, uh, or in, in April. Um, because the March shows will be preempted. And April is Poetry Month, and I think we can promise you that we'll have lots of new poems. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next April. Have a good afternoon. listening to 94.1 KPFA Berkeley and online at kpfa.org. Hi, I'm Lily Kimura and I'm running for KPFA's local station board. I advocate for KPFA's mission of peace, representing diverse communities with no corporate underwriting. I want to include coverage of climate change events, social justice movements, and I want to inspire cultural diversity and cultural change. I would like to bring more interns to help KPFA with investigative news and hopefully more insightful analysis. When hosts present controversial material, I support asking challenging questions with listener call-ins. I'm an Oakland family law attorney and a former UC Berkeley Asian American Studies instructor and past producer and host at KALX Radio. Please vote for me and the United Candidates and visit our United for Independent Radio website for 